From the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, this is NIH Research Radio. Welcome to Episode 28 of NIH Research Radio, with news about the ongoing medical research at the National Institutes of Health, the nation's medical research agency. I'm your host, Bill Schmalfeld. Coming up on this edition, Wally Akinso shares a report about older mothers and cesarean section births. I'll sit down for a chat with registered dietitian Joanne Gallivan from the National Diabetes Education Program regarding National Nutrition Month. There is some interesting news from the Framingham Heart Study about cardiovascular risks to folks whose parents live long lives. And we'll visit with Dr. Harrison Wine and talk about the online e-column he edits. But first, Wally has a report about some new insights into treatment of schizophrenia. That's next on NIH Research Radio. Want to know more about the important cancer research going on at the National Cancer Institute? Would you like to hear from the experts and ask questions? Then take part in NCI's toll-free teleconference series. All you need is a phone. There's no registration, and it's free. Coming up Tuesday, April 24th, from 1 till 2 p.m. Eastern, the topic will be Resources for Understanding Cancer Risk with Ms. Felicia Solomon, Public Health Advisor with the Office of Education and Special Initiatives at the NCI, and Dr. Michael Gale, Chief Senior your investigator of the NCI's Biostatistics Branch, Division of Cancer Epidemiology and Genetics. Call toll-free 800-857-6584 and enter the password RISK. For more information about the toll-free teleconference series, call the NCI Office of Liaison Activities at 301-594-3194 or visit online ola.cancer.gov. It's a chronic, severe, and disabling brain disorder that affects about 1% of Americans. Wally Akinso has this report about some new insights into the treatment of schizophrenia. Two new studies provided additional insights into comparing treatment options and to what extent antipsychotic medications help people with schizophrenia learn social, interpersonal, and community living skills. The studies funded by the National Institute of Mental Health are published in the March 2007 issue of the American Journal of Psychiatry. Dr. Philip Wong, director of the Division of Services and Intervention Research at the NIMH, said one study looks at the effects of newer antipsychotic medications given to patients when the older medications don't work. The end result of that trial was that there were some differences. Patients who failed this older drug, of the three newer ones that they were then offered, the one that they were able to remain on longest was called catiapine. The one that they were able to remain on for an intermediate length was olanzapine, and the one that they were able to stay on for the shortest period of time was risperidone. The take-home message is that the response to these kinds of treatments is variable. There's no one-size-fits-all for patients with schizophrenia. Dr. Wong said the second study showed Old schizophrenia patients taking antipsychotic medications experienced only modest improvement in social, interpersonal, and community living skills, regardless of which medication was prescribed. 
the end result was that no matter what patients were prescribed, the improvements in functioning were modest at best, and there were really no differences between the agents. What this tells us is that antipsychotic medications probably are not going to be enough for most patients to have an improvement in their functioning in their lives, and probably some more intensive rehabilitation, other interventions are going to be necessary in order to really help people improve functioning in a substantial way. Dr. Wong said that over the long run, patients are more likely to function better in the community if they are able to stay on their initial treatment, especially those who are most impaired. Both studies were a part of the Clinical Antipsychotic Trials for Intervention Effectiveness, better known as CATI. This is Wally Akinso at the National Institutes of Health, Bethesda, Maryland. All right, here in the uh, fabulous studio office at the NIH Radio News Service once again is my very excellent friend, Dr. Harrison Wine. Good day to you, Dr. Wine. Thank you, Phil. Uh, usually when you're here with us, we discuss uh, the NIH-NIH, or the NIH News and Health, which I understand is the award-winning NIH-NIH. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we're winning an award from the National Association of Government Communicators, and uh, we won't know till April what award, but we uh, we know we're at least getting an award of excellence. Second time in two years, isn't it? Exactly. We're very happy about that. You're a fabulous editor. But what, that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about uh, something else, something that's online. It's called NIH Research Matters. Mm-hmm. NIH Research Matters. And before we get any further on it, do you have the website, uh, the URL to share with us? Or can they go to the homepage Click something and find it. Yeah. If you go to the home page. That's www.nih.gov. On the left side, there's a section in the news. Mm-hmm. And right on the bottom of that section is a link to, uh, it says E-Column, NIH Research Matters. That's the easiest way That's to get to it. probably the easiest way. Otherwise, you have to remember some long, convoluted URL. Exactly. So go to the home page and find the icon, and there it is. Yeah, the link's right on the left side of the NIH homepage. So what's in this E-Column? Basically, every week we review some of the interesting things that NIH has funded. A lot of people don't actually know this, but NIH, most of our money actually goes out around the country to universities, to uh, all kinds of research institutions that are doing basic research. That's right. Not all the research is done here in-house or intramural, as we call it around here. A great deal of it is done in universities uh, and medical centers throughout the country or the extramural. And this exactly. is uh, what you're talking about That's here. actually the vast majority of research. Now, this does cover some of the intramural research, the research on campus, but uh, basically we just want to try to capture some of the m- most interesting things that are going on every week. And, of course, there are hundreds of papers being published all the time based on uh, research that's funded by NIH. Well, give us a little slice of life, and it's going to be uh, about a week after we record this, that because it's hard to do a live podcast. Sure. But uh, the, the week after we record this, uh, when it hits the Internet, give us a little slice of life. What sort of things will people find when they log on to NIH Research Matters? Well, we usually have three stories every week. Uh, This week, for example, the first story is about uh, a study founding a large number of cancer genes that we didn't know about before. This research team did a systematic study and uh, and got some real unexpected results. Our second story is about how a study showing long-lived parents actually seem to confer lower heart risk on their offspring. Right. That's uh, from the Framingham Heart Study. We have a story about that on this very podcast. Exactly. So uh, a lot of people you probably described, a lot of researchers that suspected it, but this is really following people over a period of time. The third one is about uh, a brain receptor that actually seems to play a role in uh, alcohol 
pleasure and uh, and dependence and mm-hmm. problems. It seems that these monkeys with a particular variation in the receptor uh, get a lot more pleasure out of alcohol, and there's an equivalent in humans. And uh, and a lot of the research looks like it's going to shed some light on what we're seeing in people and addiction. We try to cur- cover a real broad range of studies to give an idea of all the things that NIH is involved in. What do you think of the value of something like NIH Research Matters is to the lay audience? Well, I think a lot of people don't really realize how much research is actually going on that's feeding into the the stories that you might hear in the mainstream press. Uh, behind the big discoveries, the, the medications uh, and the treatments, there is an awful lot of basic research that lays the foundation for that. And... Uh, Research Matters really tries to give a picture of that. And uh, and also there are a lot of people who just like reading about science. We know that uh, newspapers say their health sections are among their most popular and their science stories. And uh, we just think all this is really cool and interesting. And it's just yet another way for the National Institutes of Health to get out the word. Exactly. I mean, it's really hard to get a sense of how broad this effort is that NIH is behind. And uh, Research Matters really tries to at least give a sense of uh, some of the things that we're supporting. And you go to the home page, that's www.nih.gov, and on the left-hand side of the page... E, it says E-column, NIH Research Matters. It's at the bottom of the section in the news. It's all right. there. And next time we get together, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about NIH, NIH, News and Health, and maybe then you can tell us what award you won. I, I should also mention that um, we did set up a listserv for NIH Research Matters if you're interested in receiving email alerts every week. There's also an RSS feed, which is probably the easiest way. Dr. Harrison <laughs> Wine, thanks again uh, for making the long trip down the hallway uh, to sit in with us and tell us all about NIH Research Matters on NIH Research Radio. It's always a pleasure to be here, Bill. 